What's up, West York? Welcome to podcast number two with Mr. French. Uh, Tonight we're going to be talking about how a bill becomes a law in the process. It's something we've been discussing in class in under mock Congress. You guys have done a phenomenal job. Um, I would say today went fantastic. Um, I thought some of you really represented your bills well. You represented your constituents well. You represented your party members well. And you, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I could throw out names. You know, I thought at each of you understood the process. You understood what it took. You understood what you could and couldn't do. You understood what my role as president was and what you guys could do to overrule me. And that was fantastic. So I commend all of you for the effort you put in for this activity. Um, this is kind of a bittersweet podcast, but we'll take it away. So how are bills made into a law? Well, first, they can be suggested. You know, you have the citizens, you have the state legislator, you have your representatives who kind of, you know, they introduce the legislation. Um, lobbyists play a major role in this. Obviously, an example would be the NRA. Currently a major influence on this process. So, let's start at the introduction phase. So once it gets introduced, it goes to a beginning committee. And we bypass some of this in our activity because we would be here, we could be here a long time. Where they go through meetings, they do markups, um, they take final votes, and they put it on a calendar. Once it gets to that calendar, they go to debating and amending it, you know, they need a you know basically enough people involved on the vote and they debate it the house they get house action they get a house vote all they need is a simple majority to pass a bill um it could fail it could be sent back to committee for amendments and so forth so at this point once it gets to there, they look at the budget. The Congressional Budget Office basically is a nonpartisan office charged with checking and creating budget estimates and deciding, you know, what the budget's going to be and so forth. So, and how the code of a bill works, which you guys were working on, you have, if it's an HR bill, it's House of Representatives, the number in which the bill was received, and behind that is the Congressional Session. So you have, we're currently in the 115th. So if it's the, if it's a house bill, it'd be HR 301-115 representing, you know, 301 could be, all right, this is the 301st bill. We're in the 115th Congress and so forth. So once that gets introduced after that, once it gets through the house, it goes to the Senate. Obviously, if it's opposite, it goes from the Senate to the house and it gets introduced. They go through the meeting process they go through the voting, everything we did. Um, and either way, it has to go through both houses to move on. So once it goes through the committee process, gets put on a calendar. Um, once that bill gets called up, any senator can call up a bill at the conclusion of like their morning business. And the Senate has 100, and 100 members and 16 standing committees. Remember, standing committees are permanent committees. So under the Senate, 
when they take Senate action. They have unlimited debate. Amendments do not have to be involved. Uh, they discuss endings when no one seeks to be recognized and so forth. It could be this is where filibuster, if you're doing a Natalie filibuster, that's where that comes in. And they talk and talk and talk and you take a cloture to end that. So once it gets to like a third reading, debate ends and presiding chair calls for a vote. Okay, it's time to vote. Senate votes, a simple majority is required. Um, but there's a frequent threat of a filibuster has meant, you know, that most of the time they need a super majority. So after that, um, you have a reconciliation where the bill is part of the budget process and allows Congress to make changes in a law to conform with budget levels set in the budget resolution. It has become an alternative way to kind of like pass, you know, contentious legislation in the Senate because it only requires a simple majority to pass. So then it has the, you know, two-day wait, a senator on the prevailing side or who abstained can call a motion to recommit. It could be tabled, it could be gotten rid of. And then from there, it goes to enrollment. So a lot of times, a lot of bills go to a conference committee. So they must report to their respective chambers and both House and Senate must pass a report from the bill that goes to the president. So within the conference committee, essentially, you know, most bills go to a conference committee. So if the House and the Senate both pass a version of the bill, it goes to a conference committee to kind of like put it together to make sure the president will want to sign this. Your goal in legislation is to get the president to sign a bill. So once it gets to the president... He has 10 days, so he can, the president has 10 days to either sign a bill into a law or veto it, or the bill automatically becomes a law. Now, as today, as we saw with my bills that all of you, so if you were a representative that was a Democrat and you were one of the Republican, we saw a majority. So Congress can override with a two-third majority in both houses, Um. If he rejects the bill, they can do this and override him. He can also do a pocket veto when he doesn't sign the bill into a law and Congress adjourns before 10 days expires. So if it's towards the end of the congressional session, he goes, I'm going to pocket veto this. It basically goes nowhere because it's the end of the congressional session. Um, If he doesn't sign it within 10 days and session does not end, it becomes law. So that is your basic rundown of how a bill becomes a law. Everything we've covered in class, if this is someone listening for the future classes, we will do the same activity in class as well. Um, One thing to cover, remember the House has 435 members and they have 20 standing committees. Other than that, I believe all of this basically falls under Article 1, Section 8, Congress shall have power to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper. Meaning, you know, there are, this falls under the elastic clause of Congress, if you remember, is an important piece of congressional power. So with that, this ends our podcast for the evening. We will discuss this in class on Thursday. This will also help you prepare for moving forward if you are currently in my class for the semester for the test next week. 
Uh, for future students, I look forward to working with you. For colleagues listening, feel free to give me feedback, provide feedback moving forward. Um, to those of you listening as well, it's kind of like a bittersweet moment. This is, you know, I will be moving away from the classroom for a little while. I will be back. But I, I haven't thoroughly enjoyed this semester with fourth block. And I hope some of you that are listening, you know, Use this to your knowledge in the future, in your endeavors, and I will see you often throughout the rest of the year. Other than that, tune in tomorrow. I will be doing a short podcast on influences on Congress. So we talked about how a bill becomes a law. Look at the influences. What influences a legislator? We will cover that. That will finish up our section on the legislative branch and move us into political process, and you will get a look at your political views and the entire political process. So with that, I say good evening, good night, and see you tomorrow.